Hey guys, welcome to New City. My name is Matt, and uh, it is a code snowy day, and I made the joke on Facebook Live that when I find out who's praying for this stuff, I'm going to go WWE up on you, all right? <laughs> I'm over it. Every Sunday, uh, we're getting snow, but I'm really uh, excited about today's message. Uh, this honestly was a very easy one to write. And uh, I just, when I sat down, I learned something quickly in my study, and it just kind of set my heart in a certain way. And I really believe it's something that Jesus wants us to know about compassion, right? And so here's how I want us to start to kind of get you thinking about compassion. I want you to take out your smartphone. Okay, go ahead and take it out. And I want you to think about the most compassionate person you personally know. And by personally, I mean that you have their number in your phone, okay? And I want you to send them a quick text. And I want you to text them, and I want you to encourage them and thank them for setting the example in compassion for you in your life. Can we do that? So who do you know in your phone that you could text that says, hey, man, this person, you've just seen compassion in their life, and you want to text them and encourage them in your compassion. Let's do that right now real quick. It's always fun to... Take the time, right, to, to encourage someone. Sometimes we don't do that enough, right? We, we think it, we see it, but we never tell them. And I would encourage you, even as I'm going to start talking, you keep sending that text and, and, and let them know how, how grateful and thankful you are for their leadership uh, in your life and this specific attitude of compassion or this, this act of compassion. Now, um, it's really important for you and I that we understand a biblical understanding of compassion, right? Because a lot of times we can, we call things compassion that aren't really biblical compassion. And me too, this is a learning this week that really, really, uh, like it may, it was a good learning. It wasn't a regretful learning. It was like, Oh my gosh, this is fantastic kind of learning. Cause a lot of times we call compassion kindness. Oh, that person's really kind. They're, they must be compassionate. And, and that's not biblical compassion. And, and kindness is really a great thing. You know, Galatians talks about Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is kindness. So I'm not asking us not to be kind, but kindness isn't just compassion. Sometimes we say, well, compassion uh, must be, uh, must be uh, being, being good. Being good. And, 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 and oftentimes our, our compassion that we show is kind and it is good, but that's not what biblical compassion is. It's not a suitable definition for it. But it's not about us not doing good. Like, for example, I came across this scripture. You've read it before, too. Where is it? It's Hebrews 13, 16. And it's not on the screen, so you have to trust me on this or look it up yourself. But it says, don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Like, God expects his people, his church, to be kind and do good things. Like, that's what God... So don't say, oh, Matt doesn't want me to be kind or be good. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that compassion, biblical compassion, is much deeper than kindness and goodness. Right now, before I kind of share with you my kind of my key learning this week, I want to talk to you about why this should matter to you, because I think a lot of times for the men in the room, we struggle with compassion because it may, it may, may, you may think that all compassion means you're soft or you're girly. I don't know what other kind of stereotypical things to say, right? But sometimes we aren't compassionate because how do I be a man and also be compassionate, right? Well, this is for the dudes in the room this morning that when you understand biblical compassion, it makes it really easy to be compassionate, right? So here, here's why for everyone in the room, why compassion should matter to you. I would, I would argue that compassion based on Jesus's words has eternal consequences. 
All right, and so here's here's where I want to bring us. And this was in our believe book this week. I believe it was. It's actually he, there's a scripture that uh, that uh, we we read Matthew twenty five thirty one through forty six in your believe book. It's page one thirty nine. All right, and and this is some really quick context. Matthew twenty four chapter twenty four and Matthew chapter twenty five are two of the most studied chapters in the Bible because in these two chapters Jesus speaks about end times. Right, and so there's a lot of like, what was he saying? What was he referring to? Was he talking about then? Was he talking about later? Was he talking about both? And so the context is, um, Jesus is leaving the temple after a big conversation, and as they're leaving the temple, his disciples go, "Wow, look at the temple! It's awesome! It's beautiful!" And they're just admiring the the the, the grandioseness. Is that a word of the temple? Right? And Jesus says to the guys, "Take a good look." Because it won't be long that every stone is flipped over and turned upon itself. None of these are going to be standing. Well, it doesn't take the disciples long to gather around Jesus and go, Whoa, when is that going to take place? And so now they're at the Mount of, the, Mount of Olives. So they've left the temple. They're at the Mount of Olives. And in Matthew 24, Matthew 25, Jesus answers their question. And he speaks about how this thing is going to fall apart. And he talks about what's to come. Right now, in Matthew 25 is where we find the kind of the scripture that I want to share with you that that is why compassion is so eternally important to how you and I as followers of Jesus respond because in this passage he speaks to future things now context the next major thing that happens in Jesus's life after what I'm about to read to you is the Lord's Supper it's where he introduces communion right where he goes up to the garden soon to be betrayed and so this is one of the last 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 teachings that he gives to his disciples now here's what you got to know Matthew 25, he tells three end times stories. Two of them are parables. One of them is he says, here's what's going to happen. Like here's, for example, for you. In Matthew 25, 1, Jesus starts out and he says, uh, he begins his uh, story about, about the ten virgins. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. It's not is, it will be like. So it's a comparison, right? And then again, in Matthew 25, 14, he begins his next story, and he says, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey. And again, he's going to compare two things, right? Hey, it's going to be like this. But when he gets to the scripture that we're going to read right now, Matthew 25, 31, Jesus states this, when the Son of Man comes, right? And it's on the screen. And so let's read Matthew 25, 31 through 46. And this is why you need to care about understanding compassion. Super critical. Here we go. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous, those on his right, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? When did we do all those things? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for, the want, for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, 
You who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you didn't take care of me. Then they too, right? They too will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? Then he will answer them. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Do you see the importance of compassion in our personal lives? This idea of compassion is one of the things in the end times that separates the righteous from the unrighteous. This idea of understanding like compassion, biblical compassion, has a big indicator on are you on the right or are you on the left? And I'm not talking politically. You with me? So that's why we have to lean in and go, oh my gosh, because Matt, are you telling me I've got to do all those things? When am I going to have time to just go to work? Between the shelters and the prison visits and just walking around and asking people if they're thirsty? Like, when am I ever to just do life? And I would say, Biblical compassion is not kindness, just kindness. It's not just goodness, and it's not about being spiritually busy. So what is biblical compassion? I want to give you four quick scriptures so we can see this in action. Are you ready? Matthew, all of them are out of the book of Matthew. They all revolve around Jesus. Matthew nine thirty six. When he, he being Jesus, saw the crowds, what's those next three words? Let's read that together. It's a small group. This one's like a small group, right? What are those last, those next three words? He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Matthew 15, 32. Jesus called the disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have, they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want them to send them away hungry. Otherwise, they might collapse on the way. Matthew 20, 34. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately, they could see, and they followed him. Compassion is not kindness. Compassion is not just goodness. Compassion is not staying spiritually busy. Here's what blew my mind this week. I thought it was so much fun, and it's changed my mind, changed my life on compassion. It's when you look at the word compassion and how they either said it in the Old Testament uh, in Hebrew or they said it in New Testament Greek. Here is what that word meant, and I've got it up on the screen for you because it's so weird. Uh, Biblical compassion is to be moved as to one's bowels or within the womb. Did you see that coming? No, right? And so every time you read, the, almost every time. Now, sometimes, very few times, it does relate back to kindness and pity. But the majority, the well majority of times when you read compassion, specifically those four that we just read, it's to be moved as to one's bowels or within one's womb. Here's what it means. You feel it in your gut. Right? You feel it in your gut. Now, this is also, so like when a, when a Jewish person approached the idea of compassion, they literally felt it. They li- it wasn't about staying spiritually busy. Oh, I got to go over here now and I got to go over here now. No, it was about when something grabs you by the guts and compels you to action. Isn't that fun? Now, let's look at those four scriptures real quick again with that understanding, all right? Matthew nine thirty six. When he saw the crowds, it grabbed him by the guts. Like he had to do something, right? He had compassion on them and he healed their sick. When, 14, 14, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. It grabbed him by the guts and he healed their sick. 
Matthew 15, 32, Jesus called his disciples and he says, man, I feel this. Man, I have compassion on these people. They've been with me for three days. They're going to be hungry. They might collapse on the way. And finally, 2034, man, moved with compassion. Man, something got a hold of him. Jesus touched their eyes immediately. They could see, and they followed him. Sometimes we only relate our gut to our anger. You ever been so angry at something that it just grabs you about the guts? Come on. The other night we were bowling. And my daughter, Christy, goes, hey, there's been a couple of kids sitting in that photo booth for a while. I think they're in there making out. <laughs> they were. Two kids in the photo booth making out. And I told her, because I could see through the crack. And I told Christy, they're not, because I didn't want her looking. Well, they're, they're just taking pictures. Really long time, right? <laughs> and Curtis was there, and I told Curtis that. And I'm telling you, I started getting angry. I feel it in my gut. I got to do something. And so we're getting ready to take a group picture. It was uh, Abby Peebles' birthday. And I walk over to the row, the, I walk over to the side of the thing and went, you two, knock it out. And boy, they got out of there real quick, right? But I'm like, dude, if that was my little girl, I would, oh my goodness. <laughs> right? I felt it. You know what it was? That was an expression of compassion. It's weird, right? Because sometimes the things that makes you the most angry, at their root, it's something that you care deeply about. And it grabs you by the gut. Now, I could have responded in sin and went and punched the kid in the face. That would have been wrong. I would have gotten in trouble for a variety of reasons, right? I guess if I would have kept the curtain closed, he wouldn't have known who did it. Anyway, right? Biblical compassion is when you drive by homeless people all the time. It doesn't mean that you're giving money or Big Macs to everybody you pass by. But it means there's that one all of a sudden on one day that you just have to do something about. You ever had that? I mean, we, you, just, you, you pass people in need all the time, but all of a sudden you're walking, you're driving, and all of a sudden you see one thing, and all of a sudden it just grabs you by the guts. I believe that is Holy Spirit-driven to the people of God that directly impacts Jesus' end-time talk on Matthew 25. So I want us to read this again under the context that we know what biblical compassion is, is when you see something, when God allows you to see something that he wants you to get involved in, that he grabs you by the guts. You feel it in your bowels. So Matthew 25, Jesus says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Man, how do I do all of those things? You don't do all those things. You go about your life. And whenever the Holy Spirit grabs your stomach, when the Holy Spirit creates this welled up compassion in you where you're like, I've got to do something about it, then you do it. Right? Well, stay with me here. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Every time that you feel it here, and it compels you to move, and you do, it will always cost you. And you know that compassion is not cheap. It will cost your time. It will cost your energy. It will jack with your calendar. And it will include your finances. 
And every time you give up that energy, you give up that calendar space, you give up that time, you give up that money, and because you're compelled to do it, here's the thing. It's the Holy Spirit saying, you get to do this for Jesus. When you do it for the least of these, no matter how inconvenient it is, when you're compelled by your gut to get involved, listen, you are doing it for Jesus. And the person who spills that and who sees it and then turns a blind eye about it or just continues to push it away because you don't want to deal with it because you've got so much to do and you, don't have, you have limited resources and you just don't want to get involved and, and you don't really agree with their lifestyle and you just kind of push it away. I'm telling you, as a people, I'm not talking about as a group, as a people, as you go about your normal day, individually you, and when the Holy Spirit taps your stomach and says, this is for you, you get to engage in the kingdom of God. And it doesn't matter if you're 10 or 110. That's how the Holy Spirit leads God's people to radically change the world. I was tempted before I wrote this message, and I was talking to my wife, what is the big thing that we could do at the end of service that would really be compassionate? Maybe if we all took our shoes off and left our shoes here and gave all of our shoes away. What if I asked everybody to bring in their shirts and clothes that they no longer wear, and we'll distribute them? Those are kindness and good. But what I learned about biblical compassion is that is not biblical compassion. Biblical compassion is when Peter Elliott goes, oh my gosh, I see this need and I am compelled to do something about it. And he engages that need. Doesn't mean the rest of us have to. It's because God grabbed him. It's when God grabs me and says, hey, here's an opportunity. Do you want to do this? And then you step into it. And when you do it for the least of these, Jesus says you're doing it for for him. Isn't that cool? And so our opportunity as a church is to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit as you go about your day. And when the Lord grabs your womb, when the Lord grabs your guts, you step into what he's asking you to do. And when you do, you are serving Jesus. You are serving the least of these. Now, this past week, I had the privilege of participating in Rachel Moise's funeral. And I was gathering stories from from the church and uh, from her family and from the kids and stuff. And I asked Chris, I'm like, Chris, what is a story that you would love for me to share about Rachel? And of all the stories that Pastor Chris picked, before I had written this message, I wrote this on Wednesday, I did the funeral on Tuesday, this was the story that Chris shared with me, and it's a story on compassion. And so I have it here on my phone, I just wanna, I'm going to read you the text that Pastor Chris sent me, and I have a picture that represents this uh, story that Chris also sent me, right? So there they are. What in the world are those three doing, right? So that's Pastor Chris. That's his wife, Rachel, who is now with Jesus, and that's our friend and their friend, Priscilla Glenn, all right? Let's call her Perky, okay? You'll need to know that for the story because he calls her Perky, all right? Rachel was always connecting dots. She kept seeing the single mom with the mentally ill daughter everywhere she went because there was a single mom with a mentally ill daughter hanging around at the time of the church. This would have been 2000 and probably 13, 14-ish, Right? And um, she knew, Rachel knew, the Lord was asking her to grow in her compassion. I didn't tell Chris to say this, right? She knew the Lord was asking her to grow in her compassion, and so Rachel engaged her with the Bible. Rachel felt it in her guts. And so she did something quite remarkable. From there, it turned into numerous things Rachel didn't want to do, but knew Jesus was doing something good in her. It culminated in us cleaning her house. That was a hard day as it was infested with every bug you could imagine. But you can see the joy in her soul walking out her obedience and roping Perky and me into it with her. The reason they're wearing that is because out of compassion, 
not Chris's and not Perky's. They joined with Rachel, right? Because you can invite people into your passion. That's fine. Because we're about kindness and we're about doing good. And so if Kim is passionate about something, compassionate towards an issue, and she says, hey, Matt, do you want to come along? You know what? Sure. Maybe. Right? I get, to, I get to look and decide. But whether I go or not, Kim goes. In that picture there, Rachel was compelled by compassion. She felt it in her guts to show uh, concern and care and love and kindness and goodness to this woman who was a hoarder. And it was, a, I remember this, it, it was a mess. It was a mess. But besides the mess, Rachel had a calling on her life a prompting from the Lord that I've got to do something about it. And notice it started with sharing the gospel, right? It started with the Bible, but God didn't let Rachel get off that easy. No, 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 no. The action becomes in how is my love expressed to this person, which leads me to this scripture that I want to share with you today. I want to share with you 1 John three seventeen through 18. Okay, now notice what, this is one of the disciples that walked with Jesus. Notice what he says. If anyone has this world's goods, what does that mean? If you're living in the United States, I don't care how poor you are today, you have this world's goods. If you have material possessions, some scriptures would read. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. This is such a personal message because you get to decide. I'm not giving us a mass compassion test today. I'm just letting you know that there are going to be times out of God's great compassion for you that he's going to grab you by the guts. And when he grabs you by the guts, it's your opportunity to join him in what he is wanting to do. And when you meet that need, you're actually meeting his need. And if you say, well, I don't want to do that, John would say, how does God's love reside in you? Now, I want to give us one kind of quick applicable kind of what thought, right? There is a common experience that keeps Christ followers from being compassionate. And that one common experience is this. It's a thought of if I can't do it on a big scale, it's not worth doing. This is, this is kind of what messes up, right? Because we live in bigger, better, stronger, faster. Like if I'm going to do something, it must be like world vision. Or I have to do it on the level of the Salvation Army right? And so uh, many of spiritual opportunities have been overlooked and have been missed because, well, it wasn't big enough, you thought. There's a teaching, actually, that we do in Kid City here in our family ministries and preschool, elementary, and students that I think is super applicable to us adults, and it's this. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. Don't get paralyzed by the smallness of the thing that God is asking you to. When God grabs you by the guts and he invites you into his story of compassion and you respond, he's going to resource you for that thing. I don't think God's going to grab you to do something that you're not willing to do or not able to do, I'm sorry. I don't think God's going to ask you to feed the whole continent of Africa. I don't think anyone here has the resources for that. But he might call you to feed one kid on the continent of Africa. God's not asking you to uh, adopt every child in foster care in Kansas City. can't do that. Your house isn't big enough. You don't have the mental capacity for that. But you, God might be asking you to adopt one kid out of the foster adoption process in Kansas City, Missouri. I don't know. But again, we go, well, I can't do it really big, so God, I guess it's just not. No, 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 no. Do for one what you wish you could do for all and watch the Lord your life. Amen?
You never know. When God sees your faithfulness with one, he might give you resources for two. And if he sees your faithfulness with two, he may give you resources for 20. And you might be the next great entrepreneur, life-changing person right here in the room because you simply followed your gut. Isn't that fun how the Lord changes the world? I'm going to invite our, uh, our worship team to come on up, and we're going to do a song called Reckless Love. And uh, as they prepare, I want, to, I want to close with this. This was given to me by George Bajackley. George Bajackley uh, works alongside me and some other guys in the North American Mission Board as we plant churches. And, and George is an older guy, been around the block for many, many years, and just, a, just a, one of those guys that's a strong prayer warrior. And he gave, we had a meeting, and I gave him a free T-shirt, and he gave me a book to pray. And, um, but it's called Seeking God's Face, and it's just, it says praying with the Bible throughout the year, right? And so this morning, I turned to the page that was designed for today, and I was reading it uh, in my little prayer closet that I have in my office. And uh, this was the scripture uh, for today. I thought it was um, well-suited. We actually read it. It's Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. When God says something twice, Jesse, right? Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He felt it in his gut because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Isn't it fun that when Jesus was moved with compassion in this one sense, it led to this famous statement of, look, there are so many neighbors in Kansas City, in Shawnee, in Lenexa, in Olathe. There are so many people who are ready to experience God's compassion. Like when you read Old Testament and it talks about God's compassion, you and I moved God to his guts that he loved you and I so much that he sent his son. Like, you've got to know that. That when God looks at your life right now, I've got to share this because there's some in the room that maybe you haven't yet said yes to Jesus, that when God looks down at heaven and he sees you, you are part of that harvest. And because of you and your life and your plight and where you are, man, he, he is so moved that he's going to do whatever it takes to get you into a relationship with him. And that relationship is what I just want to invite you into today. Jesus says this, the harvest is plentiful. There's so many people out there that are ready to receive the truth, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Move with compassion. Jesus said, guys, we need to be praying that I send more people out there. There's not as many people out there that you think that are cold and heartless to the gospel of Jesus. Actually, what Jesus says is there's a lot of people out there who are ready to be picked, there's not enough workers to go out and tell people about it. You know what? When God moves you in your guts to proclaim the gospel, that is an act of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the fruits of it. When the Holy Spirit fills a person, one of the expressions is the proclamation of the gospel. This week, you're going to have the opportunity, I guarantee you, to talk about God's love to somebody that you're not expecting to share it with. I want to pray this and we're going to give together. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes and just listen to these words that were written for me and for us this morning. Jesus, you are the Lord of the harvest. I hear that the harvest is ready and it's big, but where are your workers, Lord? How will people hear the good news of the kingdom unless someone is sent? 
today. I pray that your kingdom of grace may be advanced, that I may have Christ-like compassion that would break my heart and lead me to be the answer to my very own prayer. Amen.